coming up on this week's episode of RSVP. My eyes were rolling up on top of my head and just like, wow, you, you really like this for an Englishman. This is really quite funny. Kindly enough, the hotel offered us two rooms. However, I didn't want to sleep alone, so I told them that one room would be fine. Squat down in the, in the basket <laughs> yeah. and just wait for the thump and make sure your back's against the way it's going to fall. Yeah. It's time for a little RSVP, the show full of rants and stories, visions and pains and so much more with special guests and fun galore. Hotels, destinations, nightmares and dreams, confessions and everything in between. So sit back, relax, pour a wine or whiskey, get comfy, cause it's time for RSVP. Hello and welcome back to another episode of RSVP, the podcast for events and travel professionals looking for some inspiration and some fun. This week I'm joined by Ian Cummings, the recently promoted Global Head of CWT Meetings and Events. He is an extremely well-travelled man and I can't wait to share with you his rants, stories, visions and pains. And of course RSVP is about you sharing too. So if you have an anonymous confession that you would like to share, all you have to do is email cit.rsvp at haymarket.com. That's cit.rsvp at haymarket.com. I'd also like to thank Bulgari Hotel London, who's this episode's sponsor, and you'll hear more about them later. But for now, sit back, relax and enjoy another episode of RSVP. Hi Ian, thank you so much for agreeing to be on RSVP, the best podcast in the entire industry, uh, even if I do say so myself. No doubt. We've been Instagram friends for a while, so I've seen you travelling the world. You actually outdo me a little bit. That's impossible. No, you do, you do. You you get the bougiest treatment I've ever seen. <laughs> Come on. It's quite impressive. So I thought, you know what, you'll have some great insights for this podcast and I'm quite excited for it. The first stage of RSVP and the part of the acronym uh, that I enjoy quite a lot is the R, and that is rant. So I kind of want you to just get on your soapbox and get that bugbear out there and just rant about something in the industry. As we're on R's, I would probably say RFPs. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that as people have come back uh, to work from the pandemic, everybody's decided that they need to do an RFP and, uh, and go and reduce the number of suppliers, which you know everybody fully understands. But unfortunately, it's created a huge amount of workload uh, for agencies. And the worst on that for my rant, I guess, is when they don't really have any intention of changing, but they just do an RFP to tick a box and it's after three years in a particular industry, they have to do it. Um, so I, I find that really frustrating. Uh, there's a lot of work goes in by any agency into responding to an RFP. There's a lot of people involved. There's a lot of writing involved. There's a lot of specific questions involved that are made up and some are like 70, 70 different questions. Um, and then of course there's a the creativity that goes into it. So when you don't win that and you put a lot of effort into it, it's, uh, it's, it's just fairly uh, frustrating, I'd say. Yeah, especially when they're just basically making you go through you know, all these hoops when they have no intentions of leaving their, their buddy that they've used for the last 10, 20 years. 
Yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely uh, businesses that have had incumbents for 10 years, and, and you're pretty sure they're probably not going to change. Um, but the trick is for us as, as an agency or other agencies is to try and make sure that you go through a, a go-no-go process to understand whether it's a good opportunity or, or not. And if you think there's no intention of changing, then you have every right to say, I'm not going to respond to this. But I can tell you, when there's a big global company involved and you tell them that you're not going to respond because you don't think they have any intention of changing, it's quite a shock to the company. Um, Ooh, I'd like to be on that call. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say I, I love doing that, but uh, I'd like to make sure that we have a really equal opportunity to win if we're going to spend the time doing a response to a global RFP. Yeah, there's really a lot important. of investment, a lot of investment. Yeah. And one of the cheekiest things that I've heard about is where people then take the ideas, but they don't bring you on board. So they say, okay, actually, we liked that, we liked that, we liked that, but we're going to still stick with the same agency, but we're going to get them to do some of the things that you've come up with. Well, I mean, come on, if we're on ours, I can only classify that as rude. Yes. Uh, I mean, just <laughs> taking somebody else's agency's ideas and rolling them into, into their next event or, or plan or program, and that it's not you, but you've given the idea. I mean, that's just that's just blatantly rude. But I, I guess the other bit, you know, honestly, not giving a proper debrief or feedback as to why you didn't win. Um, as I said, a lot of work goes in, uh, and therefore I think um, we at least are owed the opportunity to understand why we didn't win, where we came down short, what we could improve on next time potentially if, if we go there. But uh, you know, I must say that we only get a really good solid debrief probably from about 50% of the big RFPs that we go in for. Um, and, and again, if, if you spend all that time and, and then once they've made the decision, they just completely disappear and don't give you that time, it's, it's really, really difficult to accept that. So I guess that's probably my main rant on. on no, on I think that's very valid. And, and to keep in the R theme, I think that's the best way to build positive relationships. The next part of RSVP is the S. So I want you to share three different stories. Um, of your most memorable experiences. The first would be your most memorable destination. I mean, obviously, you've seen my Instagram. I've, I've, been, to a few, I've been to a few nice places. This um, is why I was really curious as to how you would answer this question. One of them that is on there that, that really sticks in my mind is almost a, a bucket list moment for me and probably for many others. But in my top 10 bucket list, uh, I guess, a hot air balloon experience over the Atlas Mountains in Morocco. Um, I was fortunate enough to put on a conference there for a, a global leadership team and, uh, and of course before doing um, any of the recommendations that you put forward you need to make sure you go and experience it yourself. Of course. Make sure you, you understand the setup, you know, is it secure, do they have the right equipment, you're not sending somebody down, down to the wrong place etc. So um, I did agree to go up in this hot air balloon and thought it would be a great experience for those who wanted to do it once they got to the conference. And um, it was incredible. I mean, we were up at the crack of, well, not even the crack of dawn, well before dawn in the morning. We drove out in, into the desert area in darkness. And uh, just as we got to the balloon location, you know, the, the light was just beginning to sort of, uh, dawn was beginning to crack. We went up and I literally watched the sun come up from the back of the Atlas Mountains um, that were snow-capped because it was November, I, I believe. And the, the sound of the gas going into the hot air balloon and then the total silence and then watching the sunrise it was just a magical moment and I would recommend anybody to do that and uh, I, I just loved it unless you're of course scared of heights but it was uh, it was a beautiful moment for me.
Yeah, I've done a very similar experience in the Serengeti sunrise oh. over over that. And the the one thing that I will say is the landing of a hot air balloon. <laughs> the landing of a hot air balloon shatters all of that serene <laughs> yes. kind of illusion. Squat down in, in the basket <laughs> yeah. and just wait for the thump and make sure your back's against the way it's going to fall. Yeah. yeah, it really does undo all of the romanticism. Buongiorno. This episode is brought to you by the enduringly glamorous Bulgari Hotel London. With contemporary Italian design, Bulgari Hotel London is the capital's uniquely different venue for luxury events, both corporate or social, intimate and grand. The next story I'd like to hear is your most memorable experience of a hotel. Oh, again, you know, there's so many great hotels around the world from super luxury, you know, five and even I think seven stars they've got in, in Dubai. Um, through to fantastic hotels here in London and, and so on. And I've had the, I'm very fortunate to have the opportunity to, to gone in lots of them and stayed in some of them and, and so on. Um, but I guess I'd, I'd probably pick um, a slightly off track one. So a few years ago, I was away on holiday in Thailand and we went to um, Phi Phi Island, that was, of course was terribly affected by the tsunami. And uh, we stayed in a, in a resort called Zivola. I um, don't know if I pronounce that correctly, but uh, we were picked up by the boat of the resort. We went around to the top of the island and when we arrived there, we just found all these sort of cabins on stilts up in, up in the trees and built amongst the trees. And it was absolutely stunning and it had a sort of glass bedroom in the middle of it that was air conditioned because it was quite warm and, and, and muggy. Um, yet the rest of it was all outdoors and concrete outdoor showers as you often have in Thailand. It was just fantastic. and. Uh, you know, really enjoyed staying there. It was off the beaten track. It was amazing in terms of food and breakfast, but then in the evenings it was right on the beach and we did lots of diving and so on. So for me, um, a resort at the top Phi Island in Thailand was, uh, was one of the best. Yeah, that sounds absolutely beautiful. I've been to the top of Phi for for just, just a, you know, an evening to see the sunset. Yeah. I was exhausted, but it was a beautiful view. So I'm just picturing actually staying in that view for the for the entire time. Yeah, must have up been. on the side of a hill on on stilts and watching the sun go down. It was Epic. like this is paradise. I don't want to ever leave. And um, of course, Thai food as well. So talking of food, the next story I'd like to hear from you is your most memorable experience of. Um, this has got a bit of an Asian theme going on for me, hasn't it? Obviously. So I love Asian food. Um, I love spicy food. Um, even if it's not Asian, then I love sort of spicy Turkish food. I lived there for a while and uh, yeah, I, I tend to lean on the side of, of spice. I also really enjoy Japanese food. Uh, so again, Asian food. And I've been fortunate enough to meet uh, Nobu, Chef Nobu, a couple of times, both here in London and in Paris. So some of his dining experiences have probably been, been the best. And my eyes roll up in the top of my head when I eat some of that, that food from Nobu. I love that. But then uh, I was just before the pandemic, um, Super Spreader 1, I was, in, um, I was in Shanghai at the end of January. And uh, I, I took a tour guide and, and she took me to, uh, well, she said, you know, are we going to go for dinner at six o'clock? And I said, yeah, but please take me to some backstreet noodle bar. I don't want to go to a nice restaurant or a five-star restaurant, and I don't want to eat in the hotel. Just take me somewhere where the Shanghaiese go. And off we went to this sort of very dingy, down a couple of steps, uh, noodle bar. 
And uh, she said, you know, do you like it spicy? I said, yeah, I certainly do. So out came this great big bowl of noodles with almost this chili oil floating on top with uh, various bits of uh, bok choy in it and stuff like that. And I was in my element. And again, you know, my eyes were rolling up on top of my head. And she's like, wow, you, you really like this for an Englishman. This is really quite funny. So um, that was a great food experience. And, and therefore, it just goes to show it doesn't have to be five star. It can be local and back street and it can be just as good. And, and, and that's a real memorable experience for me. I totally agree with that. There's been many a time where I've been on fam trips and, you know, you spend three or four days in a row having three course meals at these, you know, Michelin star restaurants and five star hotels. And, you know, sometimes you're like, Do you know, what? I just want something a little bit, <laughs> a little bit grubby or yeah, yeah. something, you know, down, down the road somewhere yeah. that, that a local person would have. Because then you really connect with the destination as well. Yeah, yeah. Just give me a big bowl of, uh, of Chinese noodles and I absolutely love it. There's a place here in, in uh, close to Shoreditch, actually, called uh, Jian Bang Bang Noodles. And I go there quite often. And their selection of new noodle opportunities and they're hand pulled and the lady just pulls them in, in front of you and stretches them. Uh, it's just fantastic. So uh, I'm a regular visitor there as well. The next part of RSVP is the V, and this stands for Visions. And it's an opportunity for guests to paint a vision of their ideal event. So it could be a conference, it could be an incentive, it could be a wedding. Um, but some kind of event that you are entirely in charge of and reality is, is not a hurdle. You can put all of the money you want into it. You can even defy the rules of physics. <laughs> the rules of gravity. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to go around in different rants and circles here. Um, so I, I, it may surprise you, I've never been to Africa. Um, that does surprise I've me. Been, I've been to sort of northern Africa, Mor Morocco, places like that, as, as you've heard. But I've never been to true Africa, Africa. And uh, it's totally on my bu bucket list. And therefore, I love incentive travel. I love experiencing a location. I have a real fondness for animals. Um, and, and therefore, I would love to get down to... Africa, you mentioned the Serengeti and hot air ballooning to me. That's kind of a dream for me. And I'd love to stay in some of the fantastic resorts that are down there on tents and, and stilts and see the animals in the morning and so on. So probably heading off down to Africa on an incentive, on a high-end incentive, where you got up close and personal with the animals, you did some canoeing down the Serengeti, hot air balloons, the... the Okavanga Delta uh, look, looks just fantastic. So a lot of time in, in Africa. And then I guess just to tick my Asian desire, then I I'd then jet up to somewhere like Thailand. Uh, I haven't been to the mountains in Chiang Mai, Chiang Rai. Spend some time on an elephant sanctuary, um, supporting the sanctuary, um, supporting the, the, uh, the elephants there, making sure that the environment was correct, um, helping wash, feed, and, and be a part of it. The, the experience, not just watching from the sidelines, but actually mucking in and, and being part of the sanctuary. And, and there are good ones over there. I know they get some stick sometimes about not treating elephants fairly, but there's some very good elephant sanctuaries in, in the north part of, of Thailand. And then also, you know, Cambodia and Vietnam are on my list of, of things to do. So a really big, long incentive trip for about a month across Africa and, and Asia and then probably finish off with a Formula One in, in Vietnam or something like that. That would probably be my ideal trip. I like that, really getting down to, to nature, seeing all the animals, and then just, just, just topping it off with a bit of Formula One. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a big Formula One fan. I love the, I love the buzz around it and, and the energy around it. And I've been fortunate enough to be to quite a few events, including Silverstone and so on, and be in the various garages of the various teams. Um, and uh, I do love that. And anytime I'm around Formula One, I'm, I'm like a kid in a sweet shop. 
And I totally agree about the elephants thing. I've I've been to Chiang Mai, I've been to a proper have sanctuary. You? Oh wow. And they didn't have I think in some of the bad places they've got like big metal chairs strapped to elephants and they're no. being trotted yeah. around or whatever. This this just basically a wild elephant came out of the bushes and you know, we cleaned it, and yeah, it was just about giving back, and all of the money that they gained, they put back into taking yeah. care and feeding them. And you could see these massive piles of bananas that they have to go through just to, you know, feed them. So yeah, you know, elephants are are becoming endangered if they're not already endangered, and 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 we are losing the populations across Africa and across a Asia as well. Uh, so I think these sanctuaries are really important that are saving elephants, rehabilitating them, and. Uh, and treating them well. I mean, it's a population of, of the animal kingdom that we have to respect, uh, support, uh, and make sure that we're not uh, not going to make them extinct in 20 years' time or something like that. It's, it's a scary thought. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very pro-supporting uh, those kind of charities. So the final part of RSVP is pains. And this is where listeners will submit their anonymous confessions and... All you have to do is sit back, listen, and react to what you're about to hear. Oh, dear. Okay. Right. Dear Callum, my sister was having her honeymoon in Australia, but was planning to stop over in Abu Dhabi for a day to break up the journey and visit Ferrari World, a theme park we'd both always wanted to visit. A few weeks after she booked, I was away for work, and she sent me through the itinerary. Naturally, I then saw this as an invite and decided to book on. I even managed to ensure that I would be sat next to them on the flight. When I then got back home, she mentioned how excited she was for the trip, to which I responded, me too, much to both her and her husband's surprise. Have you got any uh, in-laws that would invite themselves on your honeymoon when you got married? <laughs> no. <laughs> Nevertheless, I figured I would use my industry contacts to get a discounted rate for us at a hotel in Abu Dhabi, and kindly enough, the hotel offered us two rooms. However, I didn't want to sleep alone, so I told them that one room would be fine. This resulted in them having your face right now. <laughs> I'm very nervous about what the question's going to be. This resulted in them having to find a temporary cot bed to put in the bedroom right next to the couple's bed. I also went on to explain to the hotel the reason we were there. And so they went above and beyond decorating the bed with rose petals and creating a beautiful and very romantic atmosphere. The only downfall from them was that they had only stocked the room with two robes, so the newlyweds had to choose one between them because I had already taken one. <laughs> nice, this lady. In retrospect, I may have intruded slightly on their first night as a married couple, but I had a great time at Ferrari World. That is quite an interesting confession. What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, I think pain is, uh, pain is <laughs> the correct word on this one. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's down to communication. Um, so much of, of human uh, behavior and interaction is around communication. And if you don't get your communications right, then uh, you're setting yourself up for, for a big fall at some point in time. I'm sure the, um, the newlyweds were keen to um, <laughs> say something uh, rude eventually, like this is just too much and uh, you need to go and do, do something else. But um, yeah, the communication clearly went wrong. It's a shame. You just need to be very clear. And I, I, I personally think that honesty, even if a bit blunt at times, is the is the way to go. By her sending them a note or picking up the phone and saying, I, I wasn't planning on coming, but 
were you insinuating that I should and just be clear about it instead of just making that leap of faith and, and ruining uh, or not ruining, but but really but, imposing on their on their event? Yeah, I would I would like to have been a fly on the wall on the newlyweds private discussion when they found out, because obviously the sister comes around. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it, too. Oh, great, great, great. She goes home that evening. And then, you know, the husband and wife, I'd love to have known that conversation. Why is your sister inviting herself onto our honeymoon? What is this? Uh, well, I mean, worse is the bedroom is share, sharing the room. I know. I, 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 that's probably a step too far as far as I'm concerned. The sisters may be close, but uh, I'd definitely be, you're out of here. And uh, she'd be sleeping out on the balcony if, if it was me. Um, Especially without the dressing gown as well. So <laughs> yeah. you'd be, you can sleep in what you want, but you're not having the dressing gown and you're on the balcony. Off you go. The fact that she was offered two rooms as well. I was like, no, 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 one room no, will no, be fine. Yeah, yeah, that's fine, yeah, because she was economising. She was just saving her own money. So that's a bit mean too. It's definitely um, an interesting uh, communication fault there. I think you're right. Communication is definitely the issue uh, with that one. But at least they had a good time. Don't know if I would be very happy about it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely not. But uh, I'm definitely not an expert on, on weddings. Um, I've only... Uh, been through one myself and it was a very small one and uh, I really didn't tell anybody about it and it was down at Chelsea Registry Office and we went to the Ivy for lunch afterwards and that was about it and uh, once my mother and my uh, my brother found out that we'd done that they were pretty upset with me so I'm definitely not an expert and they probably think I'm a, a yeah. peep of pain uh, <laughs> by doing that but it, it really got so complicated in terms of politics and you know my my mother was in, in the US my wife's uh, parents were in were in Poland um, and then there was all the friends involved and then the brother and, and stuff like that. I thought, you know what, let's just go and do it and then tell people afterwards. Um, and that's what we did. And uh, of course, we got a lot of stick for, for doing that. But uh, it was an easy way out for me. And, and um, we weren't mad on the whole big white wedding and, and honeymoon thing. So we just did it very simply and, and went off and had a great lunch with people. And that was it. I think the, the philosophy of let's just do it and tell people afterwards is probably something that that, that sister should have done. <laughs> she should have gone on the honeymoon, then told her sister and said, oh, yeah, we went to uh, Ferrari World, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and certainly the other one uh, has never heard of the concept of um, just doing it and not telling anybody and then, uh, and then telling them afterwards. So. Oh, yeah, no. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us on RSVP. And um, hopefully you'll be able to make your month-long incentive trip happen and you'll be able to see the elephants and the lions and the tigers and the bears and there will be many adventures for you in the future thank you it's always a pleasure to talk to you and i've really enjoyed it and um hopefully i'll see you soon and you can come on that uh, incentive trip with me <laughs> i'm gonna hold you to that <laughs> great thanks callum thanks.